Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Eurovision. Fuck, okay, I forgot what the title was. Eurovision <laughs> Rewind <laughs> Podcast. The and podcast no, that takes a retrospective look at the Eurovision Song Contest of the past and the years in which it took place. My name is Jonathan. Hi, I'm Millen. I'm Ellis. Ray. And um, we're back. We got renewed for another episode. Season two, baby. We, we got Season renewed two, by our yeah. own production company. Yes. The Vocab Gumbo Networks graciously gave us mm-hmm. an episode past our pilot. And we um, thin ice, though. <laughs> real thin ice. We got to step up the production quality. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, we're back. We're doing 1988, as you saw in the title. And um, But before that, we do have a quick announcement. Right. Yes. Uh, Vocab Gumbo who is us and also one other person and possibly more in the future. But the, the team that makes our podcasts now has a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash vocab gumbo. And for the first two months worth of the Patreon, we are going to donate all the proceeds to uh, local Black Lives Matter charities and match donations. So if you want to help us out and toss some money towards charity, uh, and then eventually hopefully cover our production costs. Uh, go check that out. That's patreon.com slash vocab gumbo. Uh, just a note about the donation matching. It's not vocab gumbo. It's each individual member of the of the company, so to speak. So your donation will have, what is it now, five times the impact? I think yeah. it's four. Four times the impact then. Once we do donate, we'll be like open about saying where we donated and like receipts and stuff like that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it it can be kind of concerning to donate (laughs) someone that will donate your money to something else, but we'll be pretty upfront about that. Yeah, I'm on that. I'm on it. Nice, nice, nice. Alrighty. So yeah. So before we get into the contest, we're going to do our song of the week. So who wants to start with that? So I've been uh, inspired by actually Eurovision 2020, which features the greatest musical act of all time, Little Big. I have um, I've been diving into Eastern European rap because it's fun, and there's a mm-hmm. there's a, a guy named Tommy Cash who has some f- in very enjoyable songs. Uh, Win a Lotto is he's got a colors show of Win a Lotto. So uh, if you wanna if you wanna see a, an, an Estonian dude making very Estonian hip hop, go check that out. It's fun. Sounds lovely. That does sound lovely. I'm gonna also go in the the rap hip hop section Ooh. variety of music. Actually, this was inspired by an attempt to find one of the songs on the show that we're about to on the '88 oh. co- song contest that we're are about to review. There's a I don't know where they're from. Uh, an Arabic rapper of some nationality named B Beethoven, I guess. Like. Beethoven with an oh, A. Beethoven but Pete. Yeah. Beethoven <laughs> but Pete. Um, like the Beatles. Yeah, like the Beatles. 10 monthly listeners on Spotify. Oh, it's very God. amateur rap, I'll say, but some of it goes pretty hard. <laughs> Quite enjoy oh, yeah. it. Tap in. Heck yeah. The risk of bringing the mood down a little bit. Um, my song is um, Across the Lines by Tracy Chapman. I have been aware of Tracy Chapman for a while, and I was kind of. Re- reintroduced to her doing research for uh, this contest because her debut album came out in 1988 and listening to her first album it's kind of sad how many of the issues that she talks about are so relevant even 32 years later um, and the song that I chose specifically is just about how 
there's a huge racial divide in America and that nothing will get done unless the white people in power admit that there's a problem and that they kind of support a white supremacist, you know, like they support white supremacy, whether they like it or not, and no one's willing to admit that. So nothing's getting done. So um, that kind of sounds familiar because that's sort of what's happening, not sort of what's happening now, that's exactly what's happening now. Um, so I thought that was especially poignant. It also kind of gives some context to events that are happening now too, because contrary to what uh, some people might be kind of showing, racism was not invented three weeks ago, neither was the kind of backlash against racism. It's yeah, so that was my choice for this week. Definitely check out Tracy Chapman. She's really cool and did a lot of really cool things. I think that in certain ways she's kind of been lost to time, even though she was really big in the eighties. So that. I mean, I just know her for a fast car. Yeah, fast car's great. But also like that whole first album that Fast Car is on is wild too, even like sonically, because she's like an acoustic singer songwriter, but some of them are really like weird like 80s like one of them was like kind of like like electro like kind of like reggae inspired it was it was a good oh. listen i'd recommend it even like lyrical message aside i would recommend it definitely neat okay awesome that sounds wonderful groovy so did yours um i'm really excited to make that um Arabic spotify artist 11 listeners per month awesome let's go <laughs> all right so um without further ado shall we get into our time machine and go back 32 years Let's. Alrighty. <clears throat> the year of the first intercontinental internet link. Year of the first computer virus. Year of the start of the Iron Curtain lifting. The year of the dragon. 1988 was a monumental year. Soviet satellite state Hungary began allowing its people to travel west, and fellow subsidiary of the USSR, Estonia, continued its famous singing revolution, where it declared Estonian its official language and became the first Soviet state to adopt a declaration of independence. Similarly, perestroika began all over the USSR, in which economic measures were taken to stabilize and westernize their economy. In other political news, the constitution of the Sixth Republic of Korea was adopted. George H.W. Bush was elected the 41st president of the United States. François Mitterrand is reelected as the French president and the UN Convention Against Illicit Traffic in Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances is signed in Vienna. This year was no stranger to conflict and tragedy. The Clapham Junction rail crash killed 35 in London. Israeli police created conflict with Palestinian protesters at the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. The Halabja chemical attack was perpetrated against the Kurdish people of Iran by the Iranian government. Mourners at the Milltown Cemetery were ambushed by British loyalists during a gathering in honor of IRA members that were killed in Gibraltar. And the oppressed Shias of northern Pakistan led a revolt. While the Winter Olympics in Calgary were in full swing, World Expo 88 began in Brisbane, and the first communist McDonald's was opened in Belgrade. Awesome. <laughs> we had to say goodbye to the likes of Heather O'Rourke, Divine, Enzo Ferrari, Sunhouse, Nico, Sammy Davis Sr., and Shang Xingquo. We welcomed into the world Rihanna, Conor McGregor, Alicia Vikander, Conchita Verst, ASAP Rocky, Lizzo, Jesse J., and Veronica Roth. Rain Man and Who Framed Roger Rabbit were two of the year's biggest films, both winning four Oscars each with Moonstruck, Coming to America, Good Morning Vietnam, Beetlejuice, and A Fish Called Wanda making a splash in 1988. Oh, the charts were dominated by synth-pop, heavy metal, and hip-hop, with the latter two genres being first represented at the Grammy Awards for this year. While the best heavy metal and hard rock performance was controversially given to Jethro Tull, Lloyd McFerrin and Tracy Chapman won big at the awards ceremony. Speaking of music, something that cannot be forgotten is the event that took place in Dublin, Ireland on the 30th of April of this year, where audiences young and old, male and female, straight and gay, 
white and mostly white enjoy the 33rd Eurovision Song Contest. Let's get ready to look back at the year that was 1988. Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull, man. Yeah, that was that was a big thing that year that Metallica didn't win the Grammy and that Jethro Tull, the first Grammy oh, for no. recognizing metal. That's absurd. So, um, <laughs> did you say? I just said that's absurd. Sorry. It, it, yeah, and also, um, that year was the first. It was the first year that um they gave an award for rap and they gave it to um DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So like Will Smith. Yeah, that's fine. DJ Jazzy that's fine, Jeff is but, a um, pioneer. Right, but I, when I was looking at it, some of the songs, like um, I think "Push It" by Salt and Pepper was nominated. There were a lot of other ones that had a lot more staying power than the song that won. Is all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> I feel like, given that it was the first year, you gotta. I mean, you, you don't have to, but they they definitely were appealing to a softer audience. <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, Macklemore. Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> terms of um the charts that year too i wasn't able to find kind of a top 10 of the week of the april 30th that we did last time for 2003 but i was able to find all of the number ones that year in 1988 on the european hot 100 billboard chart i pulled some data so i found that 17 out of the 19 songs that got number one were in english 11 out of 19 were european including the uk ireland and israel one out of 19 songs were from mainland europe which is kind of an asterisk there because the one song from mainland europe was by millie vanilli which do you guys know that <laughs> oh listeners who might not um they were a band from i think germany uh and i think one was dutch too yeah they were definitely from europe uh but um they're infamous now for not having sung a word of any of their songs and uh the vocals that lip synced to that they sold as their own voices were provided by americans charles shaw and brad howell so Dude, i'm not sure if that really counts but it was released and produced in uh in europe mainland europe <laughs> millie vanilli are just they were just ahead of their time they predicted tiktok before tiktok was even imagined i mean you're not wrong they're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh, similarly at, depending on how you look at it 16 or 17 out of 19 the songs were american one out of 19 songs were Australian, which I calculated by having the two songs by Kylie Minogue count as half Australian because she's Australian and British. <laughs> and um, one out of 19 were from the continent of Africa, specifically Guinea, with a song called Yeke Yeke by Rory Kante in some of the, the um, Mandinka language. Awesome. That's pretty cool. It is. And from what I understand, it was kind of an outlier because I was on kind of the Wikipedia page for that song and... What I understand, I think at that point, that was one of the most worldwide successful songs from Africa, kind of do well out in the world at that point. Awesome. I'll have to give it a listen. I did listen to it. It's very, I don't know, I feel like, like, quote, like world music was kind of popular back then, and that kind of has a distinct sound. And the term like world music is very othering and like kind of very a weird way to describe music. Yeah. Did you say, Milan? Uh, just very problematic. For sure, for sure. But um, I think it's kind of rare. <laughs> also, probably. Yeah, if you kind of group that kind of style of music together, it kind of has a specific sound. And I think that this song definitely isn't kind of what you would expect from that sort of thing. Um, but out of curiosity, I did look at, um, I thought about the 2003 chart that we looked at last week and how that song, that chart was very American, more so than this chart. 1988 but at the same time this chart was also very disproportionately featuring 
English language songs and songs from the UK because, like I said, if you don't count UK, Ireland, or Israel, there was one or zero songs from actual mainland Europe. And I also looked for this week, uh, which is the week of June 6th, 2020, that we're recording this. And all the artists in the top 10 were either American or Canadian for the European chart, except for Dua Lipa and Bibadu B. And the Bibadu B song is released with Paufu, who's Canadian. So I counted that as like half of a European song, if you count um, <laughs> the UK as Europe. So that means that it's an 85% North American chart in Europe. So I thought that was interesting and maybe worth bringing up. I actually have a question about, uh, I guess, Canada in relation to Eurovision. Mm, yes. Yeah. Very topical. <laughs> do the do the contestants, do the performers have to be from that place? I thought that was the case, but there's I'm one... I'm glad you asked. They don't have to be. There are certain... I mean, there are certain countries... It, it depends on the broadcaster. The broadcaster usually has the say on who gets to be at Eurovision, and I don't really know if there are... I th- actually, no, I think there are some that kind of make rules about you kind of have to have some relation to this country, whether it's you're a citizen or you have family or you live there. But some countries like Switzerland this year, and also Switzerland in general, sends kind of a lot of people who are not from Switzerland. Where you actually come from doesn't matter. There are some countries like Monaco and San Marino who almost exclusively send people that are not from their country. So yeah, it depends. That makes sense. I guess it would be kind of hard to do. For sure. But also like Switzerland, like, I don't know. Yes. Like, I, I, think uh, I, was, I was surprised by this entry, I'll say. Sure. And also just in general, I mean, the past, I think, 10 years of Eurovision, like 2020 to 2010, there's been a band from Romania, singer, another singer from Canada, a singer from Mauritius, um, a band from LA, a lot of people who are not actually from Switzerland, which is fine. I'm not judging, but it's interesting. <laughs> All right. Neat. Sure. Why so, not? unless you guys have any comments about charts, nineteen eighty-eight as a whole, anything, I will just, pop up on this chart. I looked at some stuff because I was very confused by the music I heard. I will say, just as a little preview, and so I looked up uh, the release date of some some relevant pieces of music. This is four years after Material Girl, a number of years after the Human League got big. That, that the Pet track. Shop Boys were on the charts. Michael Jackson was a thing. <sighs> I yeah, we'll 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 get there. We'll get to it, but um, yeah, Eurovision is kind of in its own bubble, and I think it's less so now. But you can still kind of make an argument that Eurovision never is really with the times. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Okay, so um, <laughs> are we ready to? Oh. Before we start, I'm bringing back everyone's favorite segment, Controversy Corner. Get ready. Already? Whoa, right in the beginning. Oh, Already. Okay, so we're starting off strong with Controversy Corner. Spoiler alert, there's only one controversy. I was really hard-pressed oh. to find any, um, <laughs> which is really disappointing. But uh, because this doesn't have, doesn't have anything to do with the songs or the results, I'll, I'll give it to you up top. So our controversy is that Cypress was disqualified from this contest. <gasps> oh, oh no. wait, why? Um, so right before the contest, I couldn't find an actual date, but from what I understand, it was pretty close to the lead up. Um, it was discovered that their song had already been entered in the 1984 Cypriot National Qualifying Round to get to Eurovision. And the fact that it was released before September of 1987 violated the standards of Cypriot Broadcaster and the European Broadcasters Union that puts on Eurovision, oh, which no. made it... Yeah, very oh no. So it was disqualified at a late stage and... Um, the song was already set to perform second on the night, 
And on the official uh, record release of Eurovision 1988, it's still on there. Oh, that's wild. Wait, so okay. you can still listen to it then? It's like, it's out yeah, there it's somewhere a, floating in the unknown. I mean, it's probably on YouTube. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. Germany's song this year is nowhere to be found on YouTube, so I don't really know. But um, it was performed live. It was on a legitimate release. So yeah, you can probably find it somewhere. Wow. wow I'm impressed. <laughs> we've gotten that out of the way are we ready to start with song number one i'm so excited yeah first let the eurovision song contest 1988 bug in with song number one which is iceland's beethoven with the song socrates wants to start can i go on this one go for it go for it so i have a theory about this song i have a theory about why it exists and why it is the way it is so uh 1984 same year that material girl came out there was a a a startlingly popular one-hit wonder called rock me amadeus which is essentially just it's a gimmick song about like (laughs) oh I'm going to sing in German and I'm going to dress up as Mozart in a crazy wig. And the movie Amadeus has just come out, so everyone's thinking about it. And it got very big and was kind of like, it, it's a song that exists. Um, You're trying to say it doesn't slap? Because I think it does. I agree with Jonathan entirely. <laughs> it that does song indeed is a slap. Icon. I would not put it on the yes. same level <laughs> as some of the actual music that was released at the time. But I, like, I don't see <laughs> any way in which this song is not attempting to piggyback four years later off of the success of Rock Me Amadeus. Because, A, the, the the band is called Beethoven. Um, same as the rapper that Millen was talking about earlier. It's B-E-A-T-Hoven. Okay, sure. The song is called Socrates, or Socrates. And then the entire thing, like, I don't speak Icelandic, but even I could tell that this is just a, uh, it's a, it's essentially a We Didn't Start the Fire list song. But it's just like, listing favorite it's 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 an icelandic name right which is a band name oh nice yeah so that that's my thoughts (laughs) i actually disagree with your take that it's a like a kind of copycat of rock me amadeus because musically rock me amadeus especially vocally goes kind of hard It's, it's it's quite grating almost this one it's got a very like plinky not not particularly great backing track and the vocals are definitely on the slower side i guess rock me amadeus is also on the slower side but still somehow his voice has a lot more of a kind of jarring impact than this guy and and musically it's also very distinct from that so i i like the the main uh kind of copying that i see there is with the name dropping but otherwise i'm not i i don't particularly agree all right, I have a lot to say about the song. <laughs> the first thing I noticed is that the the kind of piano riff at the beginning sounds exactly like the Thomas the Tank Engine theme song. <laughs> oh, oh, it so does. You're I so totally right. missed that. That is the first thing that I thought of. I heard this and oh, I was I, I, I was brought back. Lord. And also another 
thing that really bothered well the Thomas Tank engine didn't bother me. What did bother me though oh, it's ruined. was that he looks like shit. Like I don't know. His his suit is made out of this really thin fabric. I called it sludge blue. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's it's very ugly. And the fabric itself is really thin, which I guess wouldn't be a problem, but he has real buttons on them apparently because it looks like the buttons are weighing it down, so it makes it kind of fit weirdly on him. And also he's wearing his bow tie over his entire collar, which is a choice. Well, I don't think he is. I think it's just like a tab collar, like a tuxedo collar. Oh, Unless... maybe. It looks, it looks yeah. particularly messy to me, though. I don't know. Yeah. Talk about messy. Um, we should talk about the, the pianist with the, with the inverse oh, uh, toothbrush mustache, as it is apparently called officially. But the one that he like puts in a headlock in the middle? Yeah, yeah. Who is totally <laughs> not prepared to sing and like has to rush out the words? <laughs> oh, I didn't like the clapping bit. I was just about to talk about that. Go for it, Ellis. <laughs> they, I, they, they tried to do a clap along at the end, like they slow it down, and then they, like everyone's just like they, like the big hands in the air claps, which was a puzzling choice. A just because of the song and the way it is, but B because. The the vibe of this Eurovision was very much more Oscars than the Eurovision that I at least am familiar with. Like everyone's in tuxedos, the audience is all in tuxedos. I've got like, ah, oh, hello, welcome to the Eurovision Song Contest, and it, it like it's an interesting choice. Also, they just la 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 through it, which is obnoxious. I didn't particularly care for that either. <laughs> um... So yeah, overall, this was not a favorite. It was kind of a weak way to start. The thing that I thought was interesting, though, is that song number one, Iceland, 1988. 2003, song number one is Iceland. That was funny. I, yeah. saw, I, thought, I saw that, and given that I don't know much about Eurovision, the least of all the three of us, I was like, huh, does Iceland just start all of them? <laughs> I can confirm that they don't, but that would be kind of fun if just every year they just put Iceland first because someone needs to go first. <laughs> the rest of it's random. Yeah, just the rest of it's random, but Iceland, you gotta go first. I will say, uh, this was a good song as an introduction to the stage. The stage yes. was it was very cool. To describe it, it's a grid with these kind of like lights of string that elevate a little bit and go to the back and come together. So it looks like a Tron grid. It's very Tron. And the way that it's set up makes the stage look like absolutely massive. Which I, I thought was a pretty cool effect because it, it makes the stage look massive, but the performer also look like larger than life, uh, especially in the case of Sweden, the next entry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> apparently this year, I was reading that this year was kind of the first year that had a stage kind of like that with LED lights and laser. I think the, the stage the year before kind of had something similar, but this was definitely the first year to have like a computer monitor set up to like do the voting. And in general, it was kind of the first to have this big modern LED light staging, which I thought was kind oh, of cool. Yeah, actually, Jonathan, how does the voting work in 88? Good question. Um, I should probably have told you this before you watch them. But um, this year, there was no televoting, only juries. Oh, OK, that changes things. <laughs> I imagine. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. OK, so did you guys do placings this year? I so it's kind of hard to for these songs. I'll tell you I'll tell you what I did. When I after we recorded last week's show, I was like, oh, you know what? Next 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 one we do with these, 
I'm just going to rank the entire thing. I'm going to start from the top and I'm going to go to the bottom and give each one of them a number. And then I got like five songs into this one and realized that that was not going to happen. Uh, yeah. And so I it, like even further than just n n doing a top five, I just split this into I, I have a list on my last page labeled good songs. <laughs> it is less than half of them. And two of them have three question marks after yes, uh, this one. It's very that for this year because it's hard to you know. This was 32 years ago. And also a lot of these songs kind of sound the same. So it's kind of hard to predict how these might have done. <laughs> yeah. So this this was on my list of good songs. I don't think it's going to do particularly well, but I enjoyed it quite a bit as just like a it, another one that it kind of reminded me of very, uh, very laterally was uh, she blinded me with science. It's oh. nowhere near as fun as that, but it's got a sort of similar crackhead energy. I definitely see that. I see that more than Rock Me Amadeus, for sure. Yeah. I'm here. I actually would not put this one in the good category. Uh, I felt like <laughs> I felt like a theme for this, you know, just as there was the, the Latin guitar intro in 2003, the theme for this one was that the vibes were just slightly off in a lot of songs be it like the vocals and the instrumentation didn't didn't mesh well together or whatever. So it was it it was quite hard to rank a lot of these because they're so they're so close to being okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, Iceland Iceland did not make it into the top half for me personally. This is not a favorite of mine either. Also, um part of why a lot of these songs also sound the same too is that there's no real vari variation with the instrumentation because there was a live orchestra. And there's so many ballads. There's so <laughs> many ballads. Yeah, it's we're going to get to it. Speaking of ballads, I, are, should we move on to song number two? Sure. I just have to comment on the orchestra thing real quick, though. I actually uh, really liked that because there were only like two groups that did not use the orchestra at all. And Iceland was one of them. But Were they? Yeah. They did not have oh, interesting. Okay. any orchestration behind them. But I thought that the orchestra alone saved some of the songs for me. <laughs> <laughs> like without I that. I think of a few too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, that's all. Let's continue. Song number two is Sweden's Tommy Korberg with Stadi Lus, which means City of Light. Overall, I like this. I mean, it it was a ballad, and I think it benefited from kind of being the first ballad of the night because yeah, yeah. If the song was towards the end of the running order, I might not have have a, such a highly a high opinion of this one. But um, but yeah, I liked his outfit a lot. That was one thing I noticed, and also looking at the watching the entire contest, I kind of have an appreciation for it more because this was a year of a lot of people just wearing dresses and suits, and he kind of had this like it was like this button up shirt, but it was. I don't know. Did you guys notice it too? I I did. We noticed it. I I said I called it a quote amazing kimono style matte leather jacket. It yes. reminded me a lot of the 
concept art for Darth Vader. Oh, oh. yeah, I totally see that. Because like he was originally before he was a robot in space. He was like ah, uh, George Lucas was like oh, style this dude like a samurai, and this looks like evil knockoff samurai Darth Vader outfit. It, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And um, yeah, I I like this like the song itself too. Um, I wasn't really feeling that guy with his with like the tiny trumpet i didn't really get it at first but <laughs> once he started to play it it made more sense that why he was there not in the orchestra and um i thought and he had a really beautiful voice also in general though i thought he was kind of static in terms of his movement and it might have he might have benefited from moving on more of the surface area of the stage that might have made this a little bit more interesting and memorable but overall pretty good for me i i really like this one actually uh as far as a ballad goes I love the outfit. I thought that was awesome. I was also very impressed that this was not the classic Sweden move of an ABBA copycat. That's uh, true, yeah. So that that got some some Sweden points for me. Not as not in the scope of the entire show, but just I thought like uh, musically, sonically, it was it, reminiscent of like a Bing Crosby song. If he made a song outside of christmas you know <laughs> but I, I i love bing crosby's christmas music it, it felt like kind of comforting and warm with the i don't know if the tone is but pretty pretty nice deep vocals sure he's a west end singer yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah and uh, again with the the stage in this case the lighting was, I think, just like plain blue for this one. It didn't ever move throughout the performance or change. But the stage made him look very large as well. Like, yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. So I think as far as a ballad goes, it, it definitely got a lot of points from me. Yeah, I don't know. I w I, he had a great voice, but I was just bored. <laughs> like, there... I, I, the music that I listen to, what music that I listen to, A, is mostly dance music uh, of some sort. So, like, the, the, the sort of like ballady slow jams are not my thing, which already turns me off of this immediately. But also, like, I can appreciate music that is interesting but not good. Like, I think there's an absolutely a place for that. And it, I love a lot of music that I, is fun to listen to but not good. This is good, but not fun to listen to. So it's just like, I, I, I completely zoned out until he hit that one super passionate note towards the end. I was like, oh, neat. And then I zoned out again. I, yeah, I think the performance ha could have definitely been improved, but I can't complain about the song at all compared to some of the other, some of the many other ballads that we're going to cover. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with Millen on that one. Yeah, so how did you guys think this might, one might do? A top good. quarter, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Especially if it's just the judge's vote or the jury vote, whatever. Yes, yeah. Right, yeah. I didn't have this one on my list, but also, like, it was a good, well-sung ballad, and that's what this competition seems to be about, so. Alrighty, so song number three? Absolutely. All right, so we have uh, number three, which is Finland's Boulevard with the song... Oh, boy, um... Naurvat Silmat Muistetan, which means laughing eyes are the ones you remember. Yeah, 
I think this was a more successful version of Iceland song. Um, yeah. As far as it being on the poppier, peppier side of things. First, though, I have to comment on the lead singer's hair. This man had a lot of hair, but none of it was in the front half of his head. <laughs> he looks like a fictional character. Yeah. With the hair and the shirt and, like, the the crystal pendant. Oh, I, I thought that was a lot about this year. I can't Cartoon character me. vibes, I feel like, yeah. for a lot of the singers this year. <laughs> I think I think as a pop song as well, it blended that orchestra in with the, the 80s pop that you would expect it to, to be. So I quite enjoyed that. But one thing that I was kind of confused by was the choice uh, to not shine any light on the other members of the of the group. And they the had tambourine a, player. Oh yeah, the, the tambourine, tambourine player popping off. <laughs> that person stole the show. They ran in front of the lead singer. They were vibing. They were bringing the energy up in the house. I have a lot to say about all that. <laughs> <laughs> and there was uh, the lights as well in the grid were were kind of moving forward as the song went on which I appreciated because it added some some more action motion to, to the song because the lead singer pretty much stayed in the same place the whole time. So that was like a little minor minor note that I had. I think uh, sonically, it was just Iceland's but better. As far as the performance goes, it was, it was fun. It was not the best of the night. I'm going to challenge you on some of those points. <laughs> Absolutely, go for it. I just... I feel like this is similar to Iceland, but it, for me, it's worse because really? it's less memorable. It's not as kind of quirky, I guess. And I don't know. It, I think it just more follows the kind of the norms of pop music than Iceland does. I don't really like either of the songs, to be honest. So just in general, I wasn't a fan of the presentation of this. Just like when they ran out clapping, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, but also really extra, whatever. And as the song kept going on, I was kind of, the song itself was kind of boring and this tambourine character i just don't know how to feel about him <laughs> he I, I guess we stand but i i don't know if i was really feeling it at, at all times um so i think the choreography with the instrumentalist was kind of weird and oh, unnecessary yeah, I, I, Did you guys I notice that i i noticed it i hated it there i also two... didn't like the, the the lead singer's weird necklace yeah apologies if that's like a cultural thing or personal for him but i just thought it was distracting it looks like a bad attempt at hiding alcohol you know yeah it's like a a flask on a chain vibes yeah yeah very much so uh, also right at the end like they hit a pose on the button it was so it was like it was a very strange choice because it was very it was very high school theater department sort of like sort of ending where you, you run up and you hit your pose which was a puzzling choice for me i don't know i thought this was decent i i marked it down as wham but frumpier <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah like, it kind of gave me wake me <laughs> up before you go go but not as engaging and like mixed with 70s upholstery i get that yeah i, I totally see that yeah it <laughs> did you guys have strong feelings about the placement for this one i and strong feelings no <laughs> feelings in general sure why not yeah <laughs> I don't know. It was on my, it was, this was one of the two that was on my list with three question marks. <laughs> it was like, yeah. is this good? I can't tell. I would, I would put it in the bottom half of the top half. You know, the, okay, so the like, 26 to 50% range. One being the 10th. Good. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. 10th. Alrighty. 
So after uh, song number three, we have the fourth song of the night, which was the United Kingdom's Scott Fitzgerald with the song Go. Go. wants to start this is the first one where this 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 is this is the point in the competition at which i had realized what i got myself into <laughs> because this dude he's a big semi-beefy scottish guy massive he's got thing. yeah he's got stephen fry's hair but worse he's got the voice of bruce springsteen mixed with uh mixed with sean connery is that a bad um, thing, though? <laughs> it's not at the start. It kind of turned into one for me at some point. It. I, I just thought this was awful. I didn't like this at all. This is like, this is this is bad. I'll I say. liked this one. Whoa, really? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I mean, I didn't love it. It wasn't my favorite, but. I enjoyed it. I from a the, from a compositional standpoint, I think the song itself is has some nice moments. Like there's a part where he's like, "Time is meant to heal the pain." That was kind of like a fun like. I love a minor key, and that was very <laughs> kind of that vibe. Fun is exactly the word I would use to describe it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually liked his voice. I think it kind of it, it made it kind of more yeah, kind of like anthemic rock ballady kind of, but it it didn't quite get there for me. I think we're gonna get to. We're going to talk about kind of, at least I'm going to talk about songs that really tried for something and didn't quite get there. And I think this is one of them. Yeah, overall, I don't think this is bad. I think it's a perfectly fine ballad. Again, might just be because I wasn't exposed to eight ballads in a row at this point, but um, I thought it was I thought it was good. I I definitely lean stronger with Ellis, with Ellis's analysis of this song. I didn't make the Bruce Springsteen connection, but I, I thought that his voice sounded like it belonged on the Rocky soundtrack. <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was fairly gruff which is not like a not a bad thing for a ballad but i think that the way the like the backing instrumentals were composed kind of the instrumentation and the vocals didn't complement each other particularly well it felt like one was meant to go in a different direction and they never kind of quite met up in the middle there were also, at least in the recording that I listened to, there seemed to be some like mic problems during the chorus, and his voice got really quiet at some points. And I don't know if that was him trying to get all quiet intentionally. It didn't sound like it for sure. But if that was, I would say that is a, a that is the artist's decision to make and not mine. And I may disagree with it. Well, uh, what was one other thing I was going to say? Oh yeah, he held this uh, falsetto right after the bridge um that was impressive yeah it was good yeah it was impressive but it felt so out of place given how husky his voice was otherwise <laughs> i think the conclusion to the song was well done but overall as this was just a worse sweden i i don't think you know as a ballad sure it's passable but it's not not good also lyrically that was a little bit weird for the eurovision contest is we you know we have these tropes about peace peace love love or is it love love peace peace love I love peace peace yeah yeah 
But this one's like, uh, if you stay, you'll hurt me, whatever, which I was not expecting. Fun fact about this artist, because I tried to find all of the songs on Spotify and listen to them, listen to the studio recording. I couldn't find this song in particular, but the same artist just released a song this year, actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Scott Fitzgerald is still out there? Scott Fitzgerald is still releasing mediocre ballads. How old is he? At least 32 years old. I mean, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, so I feel like you guys didn't really... This was on the lower half of your scoreboards, I take it? For sure, for sure. Yep. All right. Uh, is it time for song number five? Please. Okay, this is Turkey's MFO with Sufi Hey Ya Hey, which means mystic Hey Ya Hey. Um, I guess I'll start. Sure. I think this is a very fun song and it was a welcome kind of... It was good. I liked it. Um, It was in this field of mostly ballads that stood out in a good way. That being said, though, I think that certain aspects of it could have been better executed. I don't know. Some aspects of it sounded like they were coming from different songs, which I don't always have a problem with, but it definitely seemed like they could have spent more time making some transitions smoother, especially between like the chorus and... The verses also um i wasn't a super big fan of like the hey yeah hey yeah part towards the end that was kind of weird for me ellis you want to go sure yeah i liked this one a lot it was more upbeat which was nice already and would get nicer as the competition went on i i really like the the three guys that sing it like they're they seem like they're having a good time they've got some they've got fun style fun choreography like they've got good chemistry and stage presence. I thought those those guys were great. It sounded to me like the theme song to a Turkish spy movie, <laughs> yeah. which I think was the combination of them and the orchestra, um, and like in a good way. I I really enjoyed it. I thought this one was great. It was pure like '80s disco cheese, and it was it was really fun. Okay, I kind of disagree with both of you. It, I I. I particularly like them but for different reasons than jonathan oh really yeah first of all this is not a critique just a comment the lead singer looks like will ferrell secondly this is definitely a benefit the lighting in the stage um flashed on and off with the beat in both the intro and outro which i thought was pretty cool first time that has happened in the show first time it was i think used the the stage lighting was used effectively uh, another another good positive that I found um, was the lead singer's vest. I thought it was awesome. Oh. I would totally wear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I feel like you own something like that. I almost do. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, but the, as far as the live performance itself goes, I think the, you know, the, the three members of the group were nice on stage, but vocally it was unimpressive. And the the instrumentation I thought was almost too like reedy and wispy, too bright. It was clunky. Yeah, yeah, it was clunky. There, 
I think there were worse offenders for that. Certainly, no. certainly, but I can I think of some too. But I, I know what you mean, Melon. Yeah, I listened to the um, studio recording, and it sounds a lot fuller, and the vocals are on point. It like maybe the lead vocalist had had a sore throat that day or something. It's much better sonically on in the studio recorded version. The uh, other problem that I had was lyrically, it was almost, I mean, at least 80% of the lyrics were just the word Sufi, which is not very creative. It also- I have no beef with that. <laughs> <laughs> it also feels a little bit like set on, on quote unquote Turkish exoticism because, you know, Turkey and Israel are the only kind of quote non-Western uh, contestants in Eurovision. And Israel's we'll get into later, but this one, I, I feel like it kind of played back too much for the sake of, ooh, wow, this is fancy. Uh, let's give it points. I, I thought that was kind of a cheap move. So that, that's where I stand. It feels like the live performance definitely hindered it, um, hindered what it could be, at least. And then uh, lyrics were not not worth talking about, even though I just spent like a minute talking about them. One thing I will say, though, about the lyrics is that coming up, there is a song that I had more problems with repeating the same word over and over again than I did with this one. Oh, I think I can guess. Uh, clown? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and also in terms of like the kind of like exoticism thing, I get where you're coming from. And I mean, we're not Turkish, but I, yeah, I do think that they were kind of just to kind of sound like something that an american person would write to be like how do we sound exotic and you know yeah so i do get that yeah very much so. um so yeah so um how did you think this one would place i thought just given its contrast to the other songs it, i mean it was definitely a very refreshing bit of kind of positive upbeat higher tempo music than all of the constant ballads but i again didn't like it for those reasons. So I would also put it in the bottom half of the top half, like maybe number nine or something. I think th this is uh, 1988's winner of the Lou Memorial Ellis Overrates a Song Award. <laughs> um, it, it, like, it might have been my favorite song of the batch. That said, I don't think it's going to win by any means. It might hit like top five at, at, at a peak we'll see what the judges think i really liked it i don't think it's going to perform as well as i would have voted it i will oh, say also, actually to its yeah. to its credit the chorus is still stuck in my head oh my god the chorus is same here <laughs> the, the, the and there were so many of these songs that were so hard to remember that that is yeah. definitely a positive the chord yeah. progression on sufi sufi uh oh, oh i love it so Moving from one bop to the next, we have song number six, Spain, with the band La Decada and the song La Chica Que Yo Quiero, Made in Spain, which means the girl that I love is made in Spain. Can I start this one? Absolutely. Yeah. I love this. This is, I mean, this is really fun. I think the song itself, 
there's nothing special about the song really, but on stage in the live performance, you can tell that they're having fun and that they have good chemistry and that they want to be there. In terms of the song, there are some issues. It's not perfect. The chorus is kind of underwhelming because it kind of builds something and then the chorus kind of doesn't really deliver, in my opinion. The outfits are great. Everyone's looking fab. I mean, the lead singer has this holographic sort of green jacket that's tucked into his pants. <laughs> I, I yeah. They're also bright green. But yeah, I think this is a lot of fun. And I think it definitely stands out, even though maybe the vocals weren't perfect and the song itself could technically be better. But this is this is a this is a favorite of mine for this year. I think the almost complete opposite of this one. Uh. I didn't mind it as a song, but for one, the instrumentation, I thought they just like grabbed the cheesiest possible Yamaha DX7 presets that they could find and <laughs> stuck all of them on one song. The the lead singer was pitchy as all hell. I like I I, was, I didn't I didn't think he was singing well. Uh, I really liked the one dude with the guitar. I thought he was cool, yes. um, but like that was the only thing I really enjoyed. Although I will give it credit for being the most batshit of the costumes, and uh, like I think they 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 did a good job of doing a big performance. But I didn't like the song at all. Villain, whose side do you take? I seem to be the tiebreaker pretty frequently. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm I'm slight with Jonathan actually because similar to the similar to the Sufi song there was a slight improvement with in the vocals with that one but this one there was a marked improvement um I can see that happening the vocals were like really off in the live performance which is I guess the most important performance but just as like as far as the song itself goes outside of the context of the contest it the vocals, you know, they managed to to, I guess, hold their own. I love the performance. It was definitely uh, the most engaging of the night so far. And there was a point where one of the female vocalists passed her microphone to the guitar player, and I love that. I I like that too. It kind of showed that camaraderie and enthusiasm that Jonathan was talking about. I think the song. You know, instrumentally, it flopped. It, uh, I, I agree with Ellis's point. It was, it was nothing to blink an eye at, really. Um, is that a saying? Nothing to blink an eye at? At night? Maybe. Okay. I'm going to call it a saying. Um, oh, bat, bat, and eye. Yeah. Bat, bat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it. Never mind. <laughs> but I think the, the performance really saved this piece for sure. I was actually kind of disappointed by the lack of orchestra usage because I, I feel like they have saved the song. That would have benefited it. Yeah. But the orchestra was minimal and not well used, which is, you know, fine to each their own. But I think it could have significantly helped the the song musically. But as a, as a total performance, I thought it was quite good. Nice. Okay, so do the placings follow your hearts or do you have other reasons for putting them where you think they placed? I I just have a question about judging. The jury yeah. is that do the does the jury just take into account like the music itself or also performance? Back then, I don't think that there were any specific guidelines. I know um, I know now 
there's a jury and a televote, the juries are kind of supposed to be mindful about what people at home might overlook that they think is of quality. And also they are supposed to kind of think of if a song is current and like radio playability. But back then, I don't think that there was really much of an, much of an emphasis on really any aspect of the song. So basically okay. the, the short answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They, they considered everything. That's, that's good to know then. In that case, I would say uh, top half for sure, maybe even top quarter. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the the vocal issues on the performance are going to get roasted toasted by <laughs> uh, like by professional jury dudes. So I I would not hold out hope for this scoring anywhere near the top. So we've spoken our piece about Spain. It's time to move on to the Netherlands, song number seven with Gerard Yoling with Shangri-La. Yeah. Oh, so you want to start? Want to take this one? <laughs> this is exactly what I was hoping for when I heard we were doing 1988 next, because it's cheesy synths, but good cheesy synths. It sounds like this is the sort of thing that Kavinsky listens to. Um, it's got like this crazy uh, Fifth Element opera thing towards the start. He's nailing the he's nailing the Eurovision white suit. I will give him that. Absolutely. He's got Yeah, absolutely. Like perfect 80s synths, perfect 80s mullet. It sounds like something out of an F0 soundtrack, I think. I was going to go find that and then I forgot, but like oh, this is I don't I I can't speak to how good of good it is as a song, but this is what I was hoping for. So, I'm glad it's here. <clears throat> I if I may I also really like this one. It was definitely the kind of like 80s synth pop ballad blend that it, it, it almost stole the show for me. Uh, there's an, there's another song later that did steal the show indeed. But I, I thought this one was really cool. Uh, there's, of course, all the classic elements of 80s music that I too was hoping for and was disappointed to see or to rather not see up until now the i thought the instrumentation was great and the orchestra was really well because it didn't overpower the synth that um really you know made it have that wonderful 80s feel and in a lot of other songs the orchestra uh just completely drowned out the that kind of punchy synth the there was a moment during I don't, I don't really know what to call it. Maybe a bridge. The, the tempo slows down a little bit. 
and the camera kind of swoops in on the performer and it stays with him a little bit longer. And I thought that was neat as well. The first time that the camera has significantly impacted the performance, I would say. I I didn't put it in an F Zero soundtrack. I don't I'll fully admit I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> but I I said if the vocals went a little bit harder, it would be perfect for a buddy cop movie. <laughs> like oh like a, yeah. yeah yeah action cop with a friend. So this is the first song in this entire contest that we are in complete agreement on. I love this. Good. It's just yeah. I I mean I echo everything that you guys have said. It's perfect. Just eighties everything and. I don't know. It's just it's giving me drama. It's giving me a lot of good moments. I wish one thing I do wish, though, is that the backing vocalists were kind of more center stage because I was get they were giving us good choreography. There was operatic vocals. They were really into it from what we were able to see from them. I would have liked to see a little bit more. They were also. Yeah, I commented uh, on that. Just good. And they were the background singers were also giving me Klaus Nomi vibes. I was. Yes. With the the what? Yes. I like. Totally exaggerated suit, so that was great. Yeah, and um, I, same thing, but I forgot his name, so I kept in looking at Gustav Klimt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I also noticed the lighting and the camera work. I, like you said, Melon, I think this was the first song to kind of use that to their full advantage and to kind of elevate the song and the performance. So, so yeah. Oh, it has a really good flute run too. That like stood out to me. Did you guys notice that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice that little flute trill. Yeah, it was like, yeah, there was a trill and there was a kind of like a ascending scale. It was it was fun towards the end. That has hit a really good high note, like falsetto sort of thing. I think he does it the most successfully and it looks the least like showing off because it actually kind of fits in with the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, overall, um, I struggled to find my personal winner of this year, but I think that this is one of, I think, four songs. Uh, depending on my mood, I would consider my winner of 1988. Yeah, I can I can absolutely get behind that. Awesome. The other ones that are my winners, I'm not sure if you can get behind, but we'll get to them. <laughs> it's a lot of ballads, so it's kind of hard to choose anything other than a ballad. Just a comment. Um, this was, I think, one of the years that you mentioned during last episode where uh, the performers are supposed to sing in their in their country's language, right? Yeah, they were required to. Yeah, okay. Because on Spotify, there's both an English version and a Dutch version of this song. Ooh. Listen to the English version. Yeah, I I listen and I'm surprised to say that the English version is not terrible. Like, he's able to to achieve the same goal. I wouldn't say entirely succeed, but he's able to achieve achieve the same goal with both languages, which I, I think is very impressive. I mostly agree. When I listened to the English version, though, I was listening to the lyrics, and I thought that they were kind of stupid and didn't really mean anything. But um, yeah, totally. I think that's—I don't know if it was a poor—I don't think it was a poor translation. Looking at the like, lyrics written out with the Dutch lyrics, I think it was just that's what the song was about. So, not every song has to have a super deep meaning, and I'm okay with that. But yeah, yeah is that our thoughts here. on. So is this—is this a top half for all? Uh, yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to say anything because I'm the only one that knows the scores, but for me, in my heart of hearts, this is a top half song for me. <laughs> yeah, I think this is up there. Sure. Oh, no. What? What? That sounded That sounded like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't know. I, you that wait that was totally unbiased. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
that our thoughts on Netherlands? Yeah. Ellis, I'm with yeah. you, though. Awesome. His, Jonathan's hesitancy to say whether or not it's doing well, but unfortunately for our hopes. Yeah, I'm worried. I didn't mean anything by it. I was just saying <laughs> that I am supposed to remain impartial. I'm not supposed to give predictions because I already know how they place. All I'm saying is that I think the song is exceptional that I had to voice my like for it. Okay. All right. Let's move on before we get too upset. <laughs> okay. Um, so song number eight, we have Israel's Yardena Arazi with Ben Adam, which means son of man. I love this song. I don't know if it's in my like winter tier group of songs, but this is just really it's fun, but it's quality. So Spain was fun, but it was it was kind of a junk food song. There wasn't any real substance and it was kind of poorly executed, even though I do really like it. Whereas this was a lot of fun. It was distinctly Israeli and it was everything about it was great. I don't know. The outfits were great. They were really fun. She was doing like this like skirtography that I was really into. It starts off really slow, and in my notes, I was writing, like right as I was writing, this is really slow, it should speed up at some point, it started to speed up and do like the tempo change, and that was a really like fun, exciting, climactic moment. It kind of sounds like something that might be in a Broadway show, like Fiddler on the Roof or something. It, yeah, I thought this was leaning really hard into the, we're Israel, let's do a Fiddler thing. I, I really like this though. I. Um, it's not, that I, wasn't necessarily a complaint, but yeah. Yeah. I think the everyone looks very cohesive on stage to tell a story. And I think Yardena, the lead singer, interacts really well with them. They all have good chemistry. And she moves around a lot, which I think is really important. A lot of the people at Eurovision this year remained very still and sang a song, which isn't necessarily bad, but I think definitely kind of being more fluid with your movements improves this performance a lot for me. Um, I I agree that the the stage presence tells a story, but I disagree with the content of the story. I guess you said it sounded very Israeli. I thought it sounded weirdly polka. I think the oh. person playing the yes. accordion kind There's of two like, accordions on stage. Yeah, that they stole the vibe and yeah, stole the vibe. They they shifted the vibe away from. Israel and towards like Euro folk, if that's a thing. I I thought uh, her dress was wild, but in a good way. But then the the backing vocalists and artists had what appeared at first glance to be like a Lederhosen esque thing. Um, <laughs> perhaps I'm just not as aware of Israeli culture, customs, and dress as I should be. But it it didn't seem to like it didn't seem to place quote-unquote, in Israel, but I, that's not a bad thing. I thought, uh, like, instrumentally and sonically, it was pretty forgettable, I'll be honest. And the, the performance was fun, but I don't was as good as Spain. Oh, so, I'm going to have to disagree on that one. I have a hard disagreement also. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was much better than Spain's. The 
little riff that they do right before they speed up every time where it's like Benadum, who a dum dim and them and them and I thought that was fun. Like that that yes. it gave a it gave a good bounce to it. It kept the pace up. Oh no, sorry. Um, I only meant in terms of the performance. I think the song is much better. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. In that 3%. case, <laughs> yes, I'll agree. <laughs> yeah, no, the song is definitely better than than Spain's, but even then I don't think it's it's as good as say the Netherlands or uh Sweden, in my opinion, <laughs> I will agree on Netherlands. I'll hold, yeah, opinion on Sweden, <laughs> or or even Turkey, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one other thing that I thought was kind of strange about this is that the uh, the lead singer looks very flamenco to me. Oh yeah, I because she had yes, this sorry, sort of like yeah, the like the red and black and the ruffled dress and like twirling it around a bunch, and it was. Like uh, it, it was kind of a disconnect with the music. Because it's like, wait, we already we already saw Spain, and this music doesn't sound particularly flamenco. But I don't know; it's not necessarily, not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a choice. I just th- to see how you guys thought this might place if we're done with conjecture. Sure. I mean, I just have one last thing to say that kind of ties into that. This song seemed to be from a whole bunch of places, which I thought was kind of neat. There were some uh, riffs in the kind of like first half of the song that sounded very Edith Piaf, actually. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And you've got the the polka vibe and the flamenco outfit. And it was it seemed to kind of draw from everywhere, which I thought was, uh, again, also a decision. Not a bad one. Just not something that I would go with. Personally, do you think that? Oh, Yeah. I think that I would rank. I was just gonna say, do you think that would have been a benefit or a or a, a deficit in terms of results? I honestly don't know. I would place this like thirteenth, though, just under the halfway mark. This gets my uh, this gets my pick for the inexplicably high ranking entry. So, like, <laughs> I think this is gonna, I think this is gonna soar entirely above its station and come in like second or third for no good reason. It just gave off that vibe to me. Okay, assuming we have nothing else to say, are we ready for our next one? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, next we have song number nine, which is Switzerland's Celine Dion with the song Ne Partez Pas Sans Moi, which means Don't Leave Without Me. wants to start i will start i feel like it was unfair that switzerland got to grab celine dion for this <laughs> yes <laughs> one thing i will say though i was talking to ellis a little before this started this was like maybe almost 10 years before she like uh, international success i feel yeah but still i mean there's a reason she she made that international success those 10 years later for sure for sure like vocally she is a powerhouse especially compared to some of the other artists that have already performed i thought the song was very fun i thought it's celine dion (laughs) which definitely can't hurt your chances uh especially when looking at it from our modern perspective um knowing her success i thought uh 
musically, sonically, killed it in every aspect. It was the it was like a ballad, but it was poppy. It was it was high tempo, high energy. She she did only stand in one place, but that's okay. My main complaints about the outfit. Oh yeah, and boy yeah. oh boy, is there a lot to say about this outfit. The hair I was fine with. It's a very like eighties. Uh, I don't know, almost like, I don't know what to, how to describe it, but it's a loose curly, perm, perhaps. That's fine. Holly Gennaro from Die Hard. My hair looks like on a humid day. Yeah. <laughs> her jacket and her outfit, on the other hand, are terrible. She oh, has this geez, like it's bad. Long. We'll defend the jacket, but jacket. the jacket and the skirt together. No, 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 because the jacket looks like the buttons were in the wrong place. Like there was a weird kind of fold in it near the chest area that should not have been there. The my, the biggest what? gripe with the outfit though is just it's got to be the proportions. Yeah, because definitely. it's yeah it's like a a relatively slim fitting jacket over a poofy skirt, but the poof only goes out a couple inches and then goes straight down. But the jacket is long enough that it just extends her torso. It looks like two chunks of a completely different outfit really really odd decision by whoever styled celine i yeah, yeah in in the words of Pedro lee from rupaul's drag race those shoulders should be matching them hips but they're not <laughs> <laughs> that's very true i looked it up and at the time of performing she was only 20 but it looked like from her outfit at least that she was a much older woman trying to dress like a much younger woman and it did i think not. that part of that though might just be our collective image of Celine Dion as kind of this quirky woman. <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't have any image of what Celine Dion looks like, just her music. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do get that though. It, it was very, it looked like both frumpy and juvenile at the same time. Uh, it it looked look. like she went to, she was, she would like wore a tutu and then wore, and her mom's heels very dress up vibes i'm gonna bounce back to the song just she absolutely killed this song she there were no moments of like oh weird note or like oh weird weird something like she was just spot on for the entire thing had a powerful voice like drilled everything the hook was the second catchiest hook of the night after after turkey's like it, it, it kept the sort of ballad feel while staying upbeat, which I thought was a great choice. As like aside from her outfits, there are no complaints to me. I have to echo all of that. I mean, if you if Dion was, and I watched all of these songs, and someone told me that one of the performers here would be come this huge international successful performer, I would guess that it's her because she has such amazing stage presence and her voice is so incredible and really powerful and just in general her performance was great um again she looked like she was having fun or maybe not having fun but just enjoying herself and that she wanted to be there which i think is definitely important and she made a good connection with the camera also oh, yeah. uh, i think that yeah. this was also another act that took good advantage of camera angles and her connection with the audience at home i think adds a lot to this performance as well i have problems with the outfit you know I do. Yeah, that's kind of all I have to say. This is great. Oh, this is also kind of one of the ones that I go back and forth on being my winner of this year. I really like this one. No doubt in my mind, this is the winner. Yeah. Interesting. Like, same here. I, I don't see how this doesn't win. 
it's just so good from a from a bass point and then in comparison to all of the other songs which either flop or really flop by far the best yeah like when when i'm when i'm ranking any of these i'm kind of going off of a how much do i like it and then b how much do i think the judges will like it and this just hits on both of them because i thought it was great i really enjoyed it and it seems like something that juries would like because she sings it well and it's a good song which are like it's it's got that sort of thing where movies sometimes do where like oh i know this is oscar bait but it's still such a good movie anyways so yeah i don't see any any scenario in which this does not win and if alice likes a ballad that's how you know it's good (laughs) yeah I mean, it was kind of hard to say that this is only a ballad, which I think is a big benefit. Yeah, that for sure. Definitely. If that concludes our thoughts on Switzerland by way of Canada, shall we move on to Ireland? (laughs) Let's. Alrighty, so song number 10. uh, After Switzerland, we have Ireland's Jump the Gun with Take Him Home. What did we think of this song? I'll talk about the the stage itself before I talk about anything else. The lighting on the grid like only covered the back half, which meant that it, it felt like the performers were boxed into something because they were in the front half and they were almost completely unlit. Like whenever there was a person singing, this the that individual would light up. It felt way too dark. It's not an important thing, I'll say. But this was the worst lighting of the show so far. Definitely true. I also, in terms of the song though, I actually really like this one. I think it's a good song. In terms of all the ballads of the night, I think this is definitely one of the better ones. One thing I do wish though is that the bassist had sung the entire thing instead of having the beginning part with the piano player singing because I think that bassist has a much better voice and he has a really incredible voice and the the pianist voice was kind of nothing to write home about really but the suits are you know of their time but not as horrendous or offensive as the ones that like iceland wore and stuff like that so but yeah overall i think it was nice if anything a little bit boring but it was good it was a respectable host entry because as we saw last time there are sometimes when the host entry clearly doesn't doesn't want to win because they don't want to host it again so they'll just choose a crap song like lapia did but this was not the case for this time yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read my notes on this one. Uh, this better do something. God damn it, it's not doing something. I don't like this at all. That just turned into a bad version of "You Can Go Your Own Way," <laughs> and better singing after the switch to the bassist. Uh, the the "You Can Go Your Own Way" connection is a little bit. Yeah, I, it's a stretch. <laughs> this is the first thing I thought of, like when it switched up for some reason but like it was so much the bassist was so much of a better singer they should they absolutely he should have sung the whole thing it wouldn't have made it 
a top song for me, but it would have improved it dramatically. But yeah, I like the the first half of this dragged it down enough where it's like I was already like, uh by the time it switched up and then it that could only do so much to pull me back into it. I thought uh sonically, like the the backing instrumentation was just so bland. I I, I quite like the vocals. I thought the the pianists was fine, like better than some of the other performers that we've heard so far. Not great, of course, but the the backing tracks were just so forgettable and boring that the vocals couldn't save it. So I, I like I thought this was bad in that it was very forgettable. I mean, one main gripe with this song was that it was a little bit forgettable. Oh, but one thing I meant to say though was that I think the sax added added a lot to this performance. That was good. Oh, that was just, fun. Was this our only saxophone of the night? Is it? I think so. I think it might have been. Denmark might have had one. I can't remember. I can't remember a lot about this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, how successful did you think that the host entry was at this contest? Eh. It's not great. It's not good. It's in the. It's not on the bottom by any means because this. There are a lot of ones that are on the bottom, and this is not one of them. But it's not good. So like bottom half not really the bottom bottom though i'm i'm with ellis on this one i think definitely uh it's a respectable host entry i no way it's gonna win i would put it strongly in the middle (laughs) you can see where you're coming from so song number 11 germany's maxi and chris garden with the song Lied für einen Freund, which means song for a friend. Before we start, written by the one and only Ralph Ziegel of Let's Get Happy fame. Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah, they, he wrote both of those. Oh, oh that's a long more. career. Too long, some would argue. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can agree with that. Yeah, also, like, he wrote a song for the 2017 contest, I'm pretty sure. Jesus. I'm surprised they let him write anything. I mean, well, he did love uh, Get Happy, so. Perhaps this was a fluke. You want, you want to take it off then, Ellis? This this was the point at which I started to despair. <laughs> um, this was a good place because, to do that. Yeah. So before this, the previous two songs, the Switzerland's was kind of a ballad. Ireland's was very much a ballad. Let's see. So that's uh, then the UK's was a ballad and Sweden's was a ballad. So this is our second and a half ballad in a row after a couple more earlier in the show. And so I'm just like, oh boy. And so at various points on my notes for this one, I have, oh Jesus Christ. And also, 
I thought 1988 was going to be fun. So like I I don't I don't even know if the song was good or not. Like I don't remember a single thing about this. I watched a chunk of it again today. I, so I watched the whole show yesterday. I, I like I went through all the videos again today so I could refresh my memory. I still don't remember anything about this aside from the fact that there was a mother and a daughter and they had two pianos. And I don't think I, either of them served them particularly well. <laughs> no. Also, one of them, one of them was an upright piano, but it was styled to look like it was a grand piano. But they were not fooling anyone on that. Yeah, I can confirm that this is not a good song. Um, <laughs> I get what this was trying to do. I think it was trying to tug at some heartstrings and be really genuine and convey this moment between a, a mother and a daughter. But it ultimately was just unsuccessful. Eurovision. Well, as genuine as it can get. Um, that didn't work. I would say that this might be the least memorable song of the night, which is saying a lot because some of these songs are quite unmemorable. But just nothing was nothing nothing was good or offensive about it, which is the biggest, which is the worst thing that can really happen with a Eurovision entry. I mean, the vocals are fine; they're not particularly bad. I think they're kind of drowned out by the instrumentation. It was really loud for some reason. I think their outfits are nice. I like the the kind of bedazzled tuxes that they're wearing. But it couldn't make less of an impact Again, if it tried. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Klaus Nomi vibes. What I have to say. What was that? They don't. They don't Again, deserve the Klaus a comparison Nomi vibes. to Klaus Nomi. <laughs> yeah, they don't. I, I my apologies then. Um, <laughs> I do know where you're coming from, though. <laughs> I wonder if there is some controversy corner to be had here because of the lack of any recordings of this song anywhere on YouTube or Spotify or anything like that. Editor's note, I had to pull this one off of Daily Motion. So I can only assume that, I don't know, maybe, I, I honestly don't know, but it feels like there's got to be some reason that it's nowhere to be found. I mean, I just assumed it was getting heavily DMCA'd. That's yeah, but kind of what I assumed. I don't know. I, I couldn't find anything on it, but um, it definitely is suspect that there is not a recording of this song on YouTube, at least the version of it that was performed at Eurovision. I think maybe this will have to be a uh, controversy corner addendum for the next episode. If any of us, perhaps I'll, yeah, I'll get on JSTOR and get back to you. <laughs> Quora.com. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll do a Yahoo answer question. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, I think we made it pretty clear, but bottom of the barrel, low, low yeah. on the scoreboard. Definitely. It's, it's gotta be. The only, the only universe in which this gets a high score is the judges are like, oh, look at that. She brought her kid. Oh, let's give him a 12. <laughs> I mean, 12 is high even for that. Like, maybe a three. Like, that's, that's the number yeah. of points that I think is, it is deserving of just for that stunt, I guess. Mm -hmm. Stuntery, that's what it is. Gimmicks and stuntery. Clownery, Very even. So. Ooh. Oh, don't say anything about clowns. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get to the clowns later. But, yeah, that's where we're concluding things for this first part, right? Yes, I think it is. All righty. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining us for part one of 1988. You can listen to the second part on Friday, where we go over the final 11 songs, 10 songs, 11 songs. Ten. I think it's uh, 10 at this point. I don't know. I'm wrong. Sorry. Who, who cares? I, 10, you're to, right. <laughs> to give you a preview for part two, I have 
not one, but two songs on the back half of this where after listening to them, I wrote down dead last. Oh, so. boy. Yeah, I. this is definitely a weird revision where they stacked a lot of the good songs at the beginning, which they never do. I don't know how they chose the order of the songs. I assume it was random at this time, but it gets rough from here. Maybe expect a shorter part because i feel like we'll have less to talk about but anyway um yeah that was us for part one we'll also go over the results do a dramatic reveal for Allison millen to find out where everything placed will it be i mean we both have the same exact song placing absolute first but will it win that's the hope if it doesn't I mean, we'll see set at the jury we'll see on friday on part two thanks for joining us guys